This is an ABC podcast. Hello and welcome to the Friday morning sporting edition of Pacific Beat coming to you from the lands of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. I'm Richard Ewart. And in the programme today, Oceania's Davis Cup tennis team are in Central America and out to upset the odds against El Salvador. To be honest, on paper, I guess El Salvador uh, should win and they're at home as well. Um, but I really hope our players will, will pull it through. Never mind PNG's NRL bid, Pacific Trez has set off on the long road to securing a place for a French Pacific team in the Queensland Cup. What we say in France, impossible n'est pas français. Impossible is not French. We are making history here. And has the A-League door in Australia swung open a little wider for Pacific players with former PNG international Reggie Devani, now in charge of Central Coast Mariners Youth Development Programme. There's already people reaching out and I'm sure I'm going to get a few more calls and that's fine. That's fine by me, you know, and, and the club too. That's fine by us. We're, we're happy with that. We're always interested in, in potential talent. More to come from Reggie Devani later in the programme. Going to start though with what's uh, proving to be an eventful week uh, in the world of uh, rugby in Fiji and Samoa, for that matter. Not only in the 15s game, but uh, sevens as well. As far as 15s are concerned, the search continues for a new coach for the Flying Fijians, and we understand there are a number of names in the frame. But some strange things have been going on behind the scenes. It would appear, as far as sevens is concerned, the pressure continues to be on uh, Fiji's coach Ben Golling. 17 tournaments now without a win, although his side is still sitting second on the ladder in the current World Series, but speculation that maybe Sir Gordon Titchens, who won so many titles with New Zealand, may be in the frame to replace him. And uh, as far as Samoa are concerned, we talked about their money problems uh, last week and what the players don't get. Well, it now appears that Lakopi Samoa Samoa are ready to uh, meet the players and talk to them about the possibility of putting them on a salary. So uh, plenty for our regular contributor from the Fiji Rugby Players Facebook Forum. The writer and moderator of that page, Tia Rocco, is with us. Tia, good morning. Good morning, Richard, and greetings from East Arnhem Land, uh, land of the Yolngu people. It's uh, it's turning into quite a week, as as I suggested. Uh, f- first of all, on the search for a new coach uh, for the Flying Fijians, uh, my understanding is there are four names in the frame, but m- maybe one was out and is now back in again. Have I got that right? Yes, Richard, astounding news from Fiji late last night. Um, Suva, Suva, rather, Rugby Union Secretary, whom you've spoken to previously on this program, Nemani Tuifangalele, revealed on his uh, personal Facebook post that there has been a hiccup in the Fiji rugby coach recruitment process. And this news has gone viral already online, Richard, with people calling uh, for the sacking of the interim administration. It appears that now the potential, uh, that the now potential candidate and hot favourite uh, coach Seni Serakula was initially told by Fiji Rugby Headhunters, the New Zealand-based global uh, elite sports, that his application was unsuccessful and not close to the essential requirements of the position. Hence, he would be excluded in the next step of the recruitment, Richard. I believe interviews started this week, and lo and behold, um, Sarah Vakula was told that a mistake had been made and he is 
therefore summoned to be interviewed today in the Capitol. This news, Richard, I find very interesting and very uh, disappointing. And we need to look at this from a satellite point of view in relation to governance and transparency, the core values that ought to underpin any national machinery of sports. And it brings to mind that the reason we have the current setup of Fiji Rugby is because of reforms, in particular governance, uh, initially required by the World Rugby for the organisation. So the process has been getting a lot of media attention and online attention uh, and obviously now tarnished. Clearly, Richard, if this is a bungle by Fiji Rugby, then the current interim board is clearly unfit to lead and it has been one mess after another. And if this is true, then Fiji Rugby fans across the world have lost their faith in their ability or stability to lead. And it creates a situation, I would suggest, why the, the appointment process now, well, if you're talking about a, a level playing field, it's just not there. I mean, how, how would anybody feel if they applied for a job, were told they're not wanted, and then told, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, do come along for an interview? I mean, that's going to affect that person's mindset. And as, of course, now the others who are involved are going to know that this has happened, it's going to create some sort of insecurity for them too, isn't it? Yes, loss of faith, and you know, if this um, if this has happened, Richard, then it's very disrespectful to a professional coach who has been the understudy of uh, successful coaches who have gone uh, on to lead uh, um, Fiji in um, international tournaments. So this is very um, disappointing news, to say the least. Do we know, therefore, how many individuals are in the frame for the job? The, the official line from, from BJ Mather, the new head of high performance, was there are four. But can, can we presume because of this mess up with uh, Sandy Sedovacula, there are now five? Or was he one of the four? <laughs> it's, it's really not clear, is it? <laughs> Yes, um, yesterday, early yesterday, we heard that they were down to four candidates, two of which will be taken to Fiji to experience uh, the Fiji rugby culture, then a decision uh, would be made. A rather interesting exercise, mind you, Richard. Uh, so, yes, apparently um, we are down to five now if this is um, a true about Sini Saravakula. And one of those five uh, has been confirmed as being Mick Byrne, currently head of uh, the Fiji Andrua. I mean, I, I guess it would be a blow to the Andrua to lose him to the national coaching job. But, but on the other hand, I suspect after what he's done with that team, a lot of people would support that move. Yes, most definitely. Look, we have two important fixtures coming up for the Flying Fijians, uh, Richard, one in June and uh, the other in July in, at the US. Um, so, if, you know, Fiji news outlets reported a confirmation uh, from uh, the Ndrua management, uh, in particular Fiji Village, that Brian had applied for the position and it sounds like that they were very optimistic about um, this particular uh, uh, um, this particular uh, process. So we also hear that an invitation was extended by Fiji Rugby for him to apply for the position. I think it brings to the table the argument that it is a seamless fit given Brian's success with the Fijian uh, draw franchise and we all know uh, that we all know operates independent from Fiji Rugby. So hopefully we will know uh, in this in the next week. Um, as um, as interviews are taking place in in the capital today, Richard.
You mentioned uh, that there's been confirmation of the Flying Fijians playing uh, the All Blacks uh, later in the year, but it will be in the United States uh, in San Diego, which suggests to me that once again the All Blacks are really rather reluctant to venture into the Pacific Islands. Uh, they turned up in Samoa <laughs> a few years ago, but generally they seem to avoid the area like the plague. Uh, well, Richard, the announcement was um, this week regarding um, the uh, competition or the fixture happening in San Diego, and it looks to be part of a campaign to grow the game in the US. And interesting to see the likes of Sevens Maestro Serevi representing Fiji at the announcement with the All Blacks great Ma'a Nonu. Uh, the All Blacks have not played in the US since 1906, and the Flying Fijians, for the first time on American soil, so both playing on neutral ground and for the old blacks i would say a safe place to be <laughs> yes i think that, that that that's a bit of an understatement really but nevertheless uh, it's great to see the flying fijians get a crack at the all blacks uh, once again they don't play each other uh, too often now on the sevens front in light of what you've been saying uh, with what's happening with the, the the coaching appointment for the 15s speculation over ben gollings as coach of the fiji sevens team the suggestion is that uh, fiji rugby union might be talking to sir gordon titchens longtime coach of new zealand very successful then coach of Samoa, very unsuccessful i mean they're saying it's not true uh, that Gollings is safe in the job for now. But in light of what's happened with Seni Saravakula, maybe people are not going to believe them. Well, Richard, it appears that Fiji uh, rugby interim leader Peter Maisie is denying a lot of things of late. Um, just quickly on this, Richard, Fiji rugby again uh, putting out fires of speculation, which is clearly coming from this office. We had the saga last week regarding the supposed a review of coaches and players after their performance at the Perth Sevens. Uh, and Fiji Times reported, Richard, that uh, Maisie um, uh, uh, mentioned that the, the union appreciates the support of its fans and urged everyone to rely on official announcements uh, for accurate information about the organisation. But where would this speculation be coming from? We all wondered, Richard. Uh, so, yes, this news stems from a lot of chatter regarding the fate of Coach Golings. However, uh, it would be too late in the piece for coaches to change. I mentioned two weeks ago uh, that the focus in front of every Fijian right now is the Olympics. They expect gold and nothing less. So even more so this year, considering the dismal performance of the team, although we are second in the overall um, sevens competition, uh, but we haven't won anything. So the uh, Fiji Rugby uh, Interim Administrator, Simeone Valenitambo, says no comments when asked by Fiji Village News on whether the, the FIU is having any talks with former New Zealand and sevens coach uh, Sir Gordon Tidgens uh, regarding the national uh, men's uh, coaching position. But in the meantime, we have the teams preparing for the Vancouver Sevens in Canada from February the 23rd to 25th, Richard. Yes, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you're right that the Fiji fans do regard the team's performance at the moment as dismal, despite the fact that they're second on the ladder of the current World Series, and I'm quite sure um, Samoa would like a performance which was equally dismal because they're currently in the relegation zone under the new system. But good news for the players, it would appear that Lakapi Samoa, who rang the game over there, are prepared to talk to them about the prickly subject of finance. Uh, we talked about this with Elijah Nika, one of the ex-players on the programme last week. He's been leading from the front, pushing for the players to get more money. Um, sounds like he might have achieved some degree of success if they're talking at least. Would you agree? Uh, 
Yes, I definitely agree. The Samoan Observer wrote before the Perth leg of the Sevens, uh, World Sevens, that the Samoan players obviously had written a letter to Lakapi Samoa about being uh, contracted with full-time salaries. So, yes, wholeheartedly, they ought to be paid. I'm sure that, like every other nation, players don jerseys with pride. But how much more so knowing that their financials are in order, Richard? When this is not in order, we all know that it impacts on performance. And I believe Lakapi Samoa Board is in discussions over this issue. So we hope that that is a positive um, note. Yes, it will be interesting to see uh, how everything turns out, particularly after the head coach of the Sevens team uh, described Lakapi Samoa as being an amateur union. I don't think he was being... um, rude about them he was just stating the facts in terms of what sort of money they have which is is not much so we shall see but Tia we'll leave it there thank you very much indeed for taking us through what's been an an eventful couple of days in the rugby world (laughs) of the Pacific Uh, when is it not eh Always good to be here, Richard. Thank you. Thanks, Tia Tia Rocco there. You can uh, check out uh, all the posts on the Fiji Rugby Players Facebook forum. It's a great place to go for information about what's going on in the rugby world in Fiji. And Tia, of course, is also a regular sports writer with the Raw, the uh, website. Um, Her articles are always uh, well worth reading and get a lot of traction, it has to be said. We'll be talking uh, tennis and in particular the Davis Cup. There's the Pacific Oceania team battling away over the weekend. We'll hear more about that very shortly. She with Pacific Beats here on ABC Radio Australia, the Friday morning edition focusing on sport uh, as we usually do at this uh, time of the week. And the Pacific Oceania Davis Cup tennis team are hoping to climb another rung on the world ladder this weekend after making the long trip to Central America to take on El Salvador. The tie will be played on hard courts in the city of Santa Tecla, which sits at the foot of the San Salvador volcano. The Oceania team is made up of Gillian Osmond and Hebe Kale from Tahiti, the captain Mataveo Fanguna from Tonga, and Clement Mangi from Vanuatu. Monitoring his son's progress from home will be the president of the Oceania Tennis Federation, Cyril Mangi. He says the Central American team may be stronger based on recent results, certainly, but he believes the boys from the Pacific have the ability to rise to the occasion. It's a playoff for for Group Two. So uh, what happened actually? El Salvador uh, are seeded number five in Group Two, and because Pacific Ocean qualified, uh, you know, won Group Three last year, uh, so that's a playoff. And it means that if uh, Pacific Ocean comes through, uh, then they will be confirmed and will have another tie in Group Two. Uh, if unfortunately, or if it happens that El Salvador uh, wins the ties, uh, then uh, Pacific Ocean will go back to Group Three which will be played later, later in the year, you know, um, probably July or, or August. So uh, at this stage, I mean, how would you rate the chances of, of the Pacific Oceania team? How strong might this El Salvador outfit be? They've got a young a young player which is like top 100 in, in juniors. Uh, their number one player has just made uh, third round of the Australian Open in doubles. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he also plays really good singles. Uh, so on paper, on paper, I would say, you know, to be uh, to be honest, on paper, uh, I guess El Salvador, um, you know, sh- should uh, should win, and they're at home as well. Um, but I really hope our players will uh, you know, will will pull it through. 
um, unfortunately, you know, I, I was meant to go as manager, uh, but I had to cancel for personal reasons. And and our captain Emric Mara uh, also pulled out, you know, two weeks ago uh, for personal reasons because uh, he's, he's uh, yeah he's, he's, his girlfriend his his partners are, are sick. Um, so so the players have you know have gone have gone, and we have to name um, um, one of the players uh, playing captain. So the the four players are there. They're in good mindset, um, but but they're away. So it, you know a lot of factors will come will come into consideration when they start playing. The playing captain that you mentioned, um, uh, Matavea Fanguna from Tonga, it's a big responsibility, isn't it? Uh, he's been in the team for probably about two to three years now. So the both times that the team actually won Group Three and and went to Group Two, uh, he actually was with the team uh, in in Barbados. Uh, he was last year in the team that won in Sri Lanka, and he's he's more of a double specialist. So uh, he's the older player also in the team. So uh, I think it was a logical uh, choice to name him as as player captain because he probably won't be playing singles and as such he can then sit on the bench with the uh, singles players and if he plays doubles or he, if the team decides that he doesn't play doubles then um, then he can also be the captain so I think it's a, yeah it was a logical choice um, and as as we all know you know if you're playing one or two you have two matches uh, and, and it's hard for you know for a player to be uh, captain as well but whereas uh, Junior is, is the uh, um, all the play in the team, uh, but he's also a, a double specialist. I think the first time that a Tongan player has, has captained a Davis Cup team, I understand that he's only the second Tongan player to play Davis Cup, but the first to captain the side. So, I mean, Correct. a great honour for yes. Tonga, but I, I, and I imagine a, a significant boost for, for tennis in Tonga. Uh, definitely. I mean, I can, I can only congratulate him and, and, and he's taking the role very seriously. Um, and of course, yeah, Tonga Tennis can be very proud of, of, of the nomination and, uh, and the selection. And the rest of the team um, includes uh, Hebe Kelly and uh, Gillian Osmont from Tahiti. And of course, your son Clement from Vanuatu is there. How much better a player do you think he is now than the last time he played in the Davis Cup? Because he's been in the US college system for a little while now. Uh, I guess from last year to this year, he's he's definitely uh, improved, uh, and also now he's uh, at university. He plays uh, as number one for his team, so I guess that will also give him uh, confidence. And also, Gillian uh, Gillian uh, Osman was in New Caledonia in January and made uh, semi-finals in doubles of the the challenger uh, that was hosted in New Caledonia, and 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 he's got his first point, his first ATP point. So he will also get. Uh, I I think you know we he'll get good uh, yeah good vibes and he's he's probably coming in the tie uh, with more confidence than than last year. Um, now uh, Heve uh, Heve Kelly was in the team and then you know uh, uh, was not in the team and he actually made the, the finals last year at the uh, Pacific Games in Solomon Islands. So he definitely has a place in the in the team uh, and. Yeah, and again, you know, all these young players, uh, you know, know what to expect because they've been there. Um, I mean, Evers never played a a group two tie, uh, but but Clermont and and definitely Madabao know know what to expect. It's going to be tough, though, playing over there in Central America. uh, Cyril Mangi, president of the Oceania Tennis Federation, and that Davis Cup tie against El Salvador starts tomorrow with the opening singles matches. 
In the Fale is a music show on ABC Radio Australia, hosted by me, Paola Tukefu. I'll be spinning my favorite tunes from dancehall to disco, calypso to country, reggae to roots, and hip hop to house music from across the ears to keep the kids and the aunties happy. If it has a pumping groove, I'll be bringing it to you to bump you into the weekend. In the Fale, Friday afternoon at 3 PNG time on ABC Radio Australia. Time to uh, catch up with some of the stories uh, making headlines uh, around the media world in the Pacific this morning and uh, taking a look at what's what uh, for us. It's Kyle Evans. Kyle, good morning. Good morning to you, Richard. A trio of current and former politicians have been found guilty in a corruption case in Cook Island. So what's the story there? Yeah, that's right. So the Cook Islands News reports that uh, all three of these uh, politicians were found guilty of taking $70,000 worth of public funds between April of 2019 and March of 2021. Now, among those found guilty was actually the current Deputy Prime Minister, uh, Robert Tapatow. He faced three charges of using a document to obtain monetary advantage and uh, and one charge of conspiracy to record and was found guilty of all four of those. The other two, meanwhile, uh, one of which was the former Environmental uh, Service Director, Enga Puna, uh, and his wife, who was the former Secretary for Infrastructure, Diane Charlie Puna, they faced close to 29 charges between them and were found guilty in all but four of them. Uh, in Mr. Puna's case, uh, uttering a forged document and uh, five counts of forgery uh, were among those charges. So, so, yeah, pretty serious stuff, as it turns out, Richard. Absolutely. And as far as sentencing is concerned, what happens next? Yeah, so sentencing will be handed down uh, in March. That's when they'll next have, next have to face court. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, particularly with the, with the I guess, the deputy PM to see if there's any well, potential ramifications uh, on, his, on the political front. Now, uh, Vanuatu, five government officials uh, walked away unscathed uh, after surviving a plane crash. Yeah, a bit of an interesting one. So uh, two crew members and five officials, one of whom was uh, Finance Minister John Salong, uh, were on board a small plane uh, which crashed on Wednesday. So according to the Vanuatu Daily Post, the pilot was actually accelerating at full speed, um, literally on the runway, but the plane didn't take off. He then tried to bring the plane down, uh, but because it had been raining, the runway was actually too slippery, and they ended up running aground uh, into some thick roots, which actually saved the plane from travelling further uh, into the jungle where there was a swamp waiting. So, yeah, it turns out it had rained heavily prior to the meeting, which those officials had been attending, uh, and that turned the runway, unfortunately, into a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a slip and slide. Um, luckily, though, Richard, nobody was injured, uh, least of all Salong, who posted a selfie uh, immediately after the incident. And uh, and look and, and just selfishly, he's a bit of a friend of the show, so it's uh, handy for us uh, on that front that he's okay. Sign of the times, isn't it? You survive a plane crash, and then the first thing you do is post a picture of yourself. I mean, yeah, I kind of get it, but I'm not sure it'd be the first thing on my mind. Uh, now, sporting wise, uh, we touched on this a little earlier. You can tell us more uh, that the flying Fijians due to face the New Zealand All Blacks in a Test match, but of course, uh, not in the Pacific because that's way too far for them. To go. <laughs> no, that's right. So. Uh 
the Flying Fijians, they'll face New Zealand uh, in San Diego's uh, Snapdragon Stadium uh, on July 19 in what will be Fiji's inaugural, inaugural visit to the United States. Uh, for New Zealand, it's going to be their first match in the US uh, since they last visited there three years ago. But um, look, it's big news for rugby uh, in the US. You've got two top 10, top 10 teams coming over, uh, playing after what were pretty successful World Cups for both of them. Um, offers a good opportunity to grow the game further uh, in the US. And I I didn't actually know this, Richard, but apparently the game has grown uh, quite a lot there uh, in recent years. Um, San Diego is a bit of a hotbed for rugby in the United States. Their local team, uh, the Legion, they're coming off a championship in the uh, in the Major League Rugby competition, which is their top tier competition, if you like. And there's currently 80 Kiwis uh, playing in that competition, whereas a few years ago there was only something like 17. So. Um, really good to see, and, and San Diego on top of that is does also have the largest concentration of, uh, of Fijians in the United States. So, look, it might not be as, as packed as a San Diego State gridiron game, but uh, hopefully they get a few people there. Uh, I hope it turns out to be more exciting than the game I saw in San Diego, which was baseball. Baseball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have been to the States, but uh, that's that's not one sport I, 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 I sought out, i got to say. After nine innings... Uh, the amount of food that had been consumed was vast <laughs> and didn't look too good. After nine innings, San Diego were playing LA, if I remember rightly, and um, it was nil-nil. Nil-nil. So these guys are getting paid a fortune and none of them could hit the ball anywhere. It was embarrassing. <laughs> oh, so not, not, not even a chance to catch a, to catch a foul ball? No, nah, nah, absolutely not. And, I mean, you know, my, I was with my two sons who are both big keen sports fans and they take it in most sports and even they said, nah, time to go. What about the hot dogs? Were they at least good? They weren't great, no. <laughs> no, they really weren't. And San Diego being close to the Mexican border as well, you'd think, you know, you'd think the food would be pretty good down there. But uh, anyway, it'd be interesting to see how that game goes. But why weren't they playing in the Pacific? It's a good question. It's yeah. a good question. I, mean, I, just, yeah. I don't get it. I really don't get it. But anyway, I guess, you know, it is what it is. All right, moment over. Carl, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> we look forward to the game regardless. So, yeah, the All Blacks taking on uh, the Flying Fijians under their new coach, whoever that may be, on July the 19th, a couple of days after my birthday. Just a matter of record. You're with Pacific Beach here on ABC Radio Australia. Now, back to uh, sporting matters and uh, one topic we were hoping to discuss this morning, but uh, unfortunately um, communications are not being our friend, is uh, what on earth is going on in Papua New Guinea, where history has repeated itself. It seems winning trophies as coach of the national women's soccer team is just not good enough. Uh, Despite winning gold at the recent Pacific Games in Honiara, coach Federica Saketa has been sacked with less than a week to go before the PNG team play their first match at the Olympic qualifying tournament in Samoa. A dismissal somewhat reminiscent of Nicola Demain's removal. Her contract, you may remember, was not renewed, despite her leading PNG to their first ever OFC Nations Cup final win back in 2022. So uh, at the moment, uh, the uh, team is in the hands of uh, the assistant coach, uh, Eric Komeng, as they uh, prepare for those matches in Samoa next week. The team manager, Colin McNamara, has also resigned, citing lack of interest in player welfare shown by the PNG FA. And uh, Nicola Demain did lodge a series of complaints against the PNG FA uh, with OFC, the Oceania Football Confederation, around 18 months ago now. 
I inquired as to what has happened to that about those uh, complaints that she lodged, and the word that I got back from OFC was the OFC administration is not kept informed of any matters before the OFC judicial bodies until a decision has been issued. So it would appear 18 months down the track, still no decision. You can draw your own conclusions as to what is happening. On a more positive note, the PNG couples, the men's team, they're going to be playing in a tournament in Sri Lanka a little later in the year as part of the build-up towards the OFC Nations Cup. They're going to be taking on the host nation, Sri Lanka, who haven't played for a little while. Bhutan, who at one time were ranked uh, the, the worst team in the world and famously played off against Montserrat and the Caribbean to decide just which team was the worst, and the Central African Republic. So maybe not the toughest of teams for the PNG couples to play, but nevertheless, it is match practice, and that's uh, what the Pacific teams always complain about. They don't get match practice in between tournaments. So on this occasion, the couples will play three times, providing, of course, they all turn up and they get their visas sorted out, which is by no means guaranteed. Now, while speculation and social media chatter continues over Papua New Guinea's chances of securing a place as the 18th team in Australia's National Rugby League, a smaller-scale French Rugby League revolution is just beginning. Pacific 3, Pacific 13, if you like, is the working title of an organisation set up with the aim of winning a spot in the second-tier Queensland Cup for a French-speaking rugby league team from the Pacific to be based in New Caledonia. After the project began in 2019, progress ground to a halt almost immediately when the COVID-19 pandemic struck. But uh, this weekend, the first seeds are being planted with a Pacific 3 under-17 squad touring north Queensland, where they'll play three matches against age group teams from Queensland Cup teams Mackay Cutters, Townsville Blackhawks and Northern Pride. The French Pacific squad is coached by Laurent Garnier, who previously played in France with Tres Catalan, the side that became Catalan's Dragons and now mixes it with the very best in the English Super League. They, in fact, won the Challenge Cup in England a few years ago, as well as qualifying top of the Super League. Garnier coached the Dragons under-21s. He was assistant for the French team that took part in the Student World Cup in Brisbane back in 2005 as well. At that time, he met his future wife, opted to migrate to Australia, where he continued to coach before taking on the top job with the Pacific Players set-up. And now he's preparing to lead his young players into competitive action for the first time with players from New Caledonia, Vanuatu and Wallace and Fortuna, joined by a group from Metropolitan France to add some extra experience. The idea um, started uh, just before the COVID in uh, 2019. A few uh, crazy men, Frenchmen and Australian guys say that would be a, a very good idea to actually uh, get uh, a French-speaking team in the second tier competition in, in Australia, you know. Of course, the, the COVID was very hard for us and with the border completely closed, that was very hard to organize anything, really. So uh, we start with this tour of North Queensland by the U17 uh, squad. But in the coming months, we wish maybe to do a U18, U19 team. And we will follow all these young players as they develop and yes why not one day create a Q-Cup team with a very strong French accent so this as you say it goes back to 2019 but in essence this is the first big project if you like that the initiative has been involved in you don't at the moment have a senior squad of players you're starting with the younger age group and, and working your way up is that right exactly what you said we start with the youth because we've got good young talents in France Metropole and uh, in New Caledonia they just need to come together to know each other a little bit more and to play together and the Queensland Rugby League and uh, the Asia Pacific Rugby League to us a lot of support 
in terms of uh, advice and how to do things. And we work with them, you know, with the, the Queensland Rugby League. And, uh, and uh, every time we do something, they are always advising us. So we are not uh, on our own. So at this stage, do you have any idea how your squad is going to fare in these matches in North Queensland? This is a real voyage into the unknown, isn't it? Yes, yes. But what we say in France, impossible n'est pas français. Impossible is not French. So the thing is, we have a very short time to come together as a team, as a squad. But the kids from Metropole, of course, they know each other. The, the kids from Caledonia know each other. The kids from Vanuatu knows very well each other. So these kids are very, very excited to be part of this Pacific Trails outfit. And my role and the role of all the staff of Pacific Trails during this tour, uh, to make sure that these kids are enjoy themselves, learn a bit about their culture. If they are French, you got a bit of difference between the New Caledonian uh, background and the French Metropole background players. So uh, let's see. There's one player in particular who I notice has already hit the headlines, uh, Remisio Lakina. He, he's the first rugby league player to come out of Wallace and Fortuna. And we hope that we not be the, the only one. That's what uh, this tour is made for, too, is to actually uh, make realize to other players that's possible. We are making history here by putting this team together for the first time. It takes only one guy to make it. And after you got one, two, three, four guys who say, yeah, actually, that's actually possible. So that's what we want to achieve with this tour and this type of player who are the first one to play the game in Australia. I'm sure if we work hard and hard and with all our passion, I really think you will not be the only one from uh, Wallace. And do you take inspiration from your own connections with Catalan's Dragons? Because it's taken them quite a while, but they're right in the mix now in, in the Super League in England. They're, they've won the Challenge Cup. They've been top of the ladder in Super League. They are one of the big teams now. Yeah, for the last uh, four or three years, I think they are in the, in the top four at the end of every Super League championship. I think in terms of recruitment, they are spot on when they uh, take a player. They don't take any more big names to promote their brand. They are taking actually the players they needed, which is, I think, the way to go. But yeah, uh, Steve McNamara and, and the Catalan Dragons, and uh, with the help, of course, of Benji Garcia, who's a very respected captain over there, and with a bit of Australian experience, you know, because he, he was here and after he, he signed uh, one year with the Penrith Panthers. So that's a good outfit. They, they work very well at the moment. So this is step one, as it were, the tour of North Queensland. What else? is in the pipeline uh, for example I mean are you planning to put together a female squad as well I would like that I would like that one year ago I went to New Caledonia and the girls the skills of these girls is absolutely amazing so what we will try to do too is actually to bring some females to play in the in the BMD championship here because they are up to the fight I tell you they, they need a bit of uh, rugby background but they learn very very quick and they are just natural we met some young girls very natural with the ball and running and taking gaps you know so yeah that would be uh, that would be the goal but this tour too is going to uh, enable us to actually meet again after a long time with all the board members and talk about what's next for this Pacific Treasure entity so I'm sure we are going to talk about uh, all this stuff in the coming days so three matches you're going to be playing in North Queensland it's going to be very interesting isn't it uh, for you as a coach I, I guess it's going to be and a unique experience. I've got a mixed feeling of excitement and fear <laughs> because I actually watched a trial and I saw the level of these kids. 
I knew they were good, but I try to not think too much as a coach about uh, all the problems we are going to have over there technically on the field because to organize this trip was quite a warrior journey, you know, with uh, the cyclone in uh, Townsville plus the farmers in France who are on strike. So that was a fight to actually go to the airport. But they got here and they're all set for those uh, three matches in North Queensland starting this weekend. Uh, Laurent Garnier, head coach of the touring Pacific Trez under-17 rugby league squad. As I say, start their tour of North Queensland over the coming days. going to be interesting to see how they fare. Now we can talk a little bit more about uh, football in Papua New Guinea now and uh, the sacking of the coach of the national women's team so soon after they won yet another gold medal at the Pacific Games. has rather caught uh, people by surprise a week out from the Olympic qualifying tournament in Samoa. Frederica Saket has been told her services are no longer required and uh, one of her assistants, team manager Colin McManamara, has resigned as well, citing lack of player interest or lack of interest in player welfare shown by the PNG FA. So um, what on earth is going on? Keeping a close eye on the situation, the former Capitals team manager and former president of Port Moresby FA, Joseph Illadonna, who co-moderates the social media blog uh, Soccer News and has been seeking some answers, I understand, on uh, Frederica Saket's uh, removal. Uh, Joseph, good morning. Thanks for joining us on Pacific Beat. Good morning, good morning. So uh, tell me, you, you put some questions into the PNGFA about why they've sacked uh, Frederica, and particularly so close to the Olympic qualifying tournament. Did you get any answers? <laughs> no, no, no answers, uh, except some uh, wild thread that I'll be referred to the ethics committee, but that's fine. Um, I've spoken to Sakete and McNamara, I think, Sakete is trying to find some answers. She's been calling people to find why she has uh, been removed, but no answers uh, to her. So uh, what she says is uh, she suddenly find out when the uh, her assistant coach started calling for training, so she knew she was out. But it's been confirmed, uh, she's confirmed that uh, they've named uh, the PNG team, and uh, obviously her name is not inside as, as, the, as the head coach. Uh, on uh, the team manager, I've spoken to her. She is uh, she's written in, uh, putting in a resignation, really citing uh, her frustration that uh, there's no, to, there's not much attention being given to the national team, especially the welfare of the players. Uh, you know, they're the Pacific Queens. Uh, they're consistent, consistently the the top team in in the Pacific, away from New Zealand, and uh, I think. Uh, and as far as I know, I, I think we've been giving too much concentration on, on the men's side. And she's been fighting for the women's welfare, at least some uh, allowances, at least some recognition given to them. And uh, what she says is that she's been attending to meet with the PNGFA man- management, but there's been uh, no doors open for her to go and speak to them, hence the, her, her resignation. And she's also frustrated that, uh, you know, they herself and uh, and the head coach now sacked uh, have not been uh, following their winning in in Solomon Islands. Uh, there has been completely shut down on them. So that's the situation now. It's got everybody in shock, especially with the PNG uh, girls winning the, the sixth gold medal and uh, led by the coach uh, Sakete. 
and then suddenly we have this uh, hair removal. So really, we don't know what's actually happening. I've, I've uh, asked the PNJFA if there's some some reasons for why she is removed. Uh, I'm, I'm, we really are not sure what's what's happening. So, so this has all come completely out of the blue. I mean, it, it was a big enough shock when Nicola Domain was removed after leading the team to their first ever win in the AFC Nations Cup. But uh, to do this um, literally days before the team plays in an Olympic qualifying tournament, it, it can't be too good for morale, you would think, and unless there's something gone on between the players and the coach, which has led up to this. Well, that's exactly the point. Uh, nobody, know, nobody knows what's happening. Uh, maybe the PNGFA uh, knows what's happening. Uh, but, but look, I think the point is that this PNG team is the national team. And, uh, and every, obviously all eyes are on them. They are our, our champion team, the Pacific champion team. So we, the football people, want to know what's happening. And there is complete silence. And that, that is the norm for our PNGFA. There's always been complete silence when things happen. So, but from what I know, you know, there are some people in there uh, and it's been, uh, these are claims also by, by, by the team manager that some people after the win and in Solomon now there's there's been talk of them wanting to take over and uh, uh, it's obvious now that something has happened uh, we really don't know and we we people are asking now for answers as to uh, why it is happening I'm aware that government is a bit concerned and they, they, I think there could be some uh, some asking from the government as to what's happening. You know, the country's reputation is put at stake when things go on like this. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think the newspapers will be running it uh, out today. They've been asking me some questions, but I referred them to the PNGFA. And uh, the national newspaper ran an editorial yesterday on this matter. But getting answers out of the PNGFA is proving to be very difficult. I mean, I, I approached uh, Federica Sacchetti prior to the Pacific Games in Solomon Islands and asked her if we could have a chat on this programme about the team's prospects in Honiara. She was very happy to do that. But then the next day when I contacted her and said, are you ready to do the interview? She said, sorry, no can do. I have to get official permission from the PNGFA, who had clearly said no. Um, they, they seem to be very reluctant to enter into conversations or, or allow their officials to talk to the media. And it, it, it's really beginning to create a, an air of suspicion, isn't it? Particularly after the Nicola Domain case, which 18 months on, she lodged complaints with OFC about the way she was treated by the PNGFA. And still, that matter does not appear to have been done, dealt with, which, again, must concern people. Oh, yeah, it's a concern. Uh, uh then that's that's the norm of the PNGFA. I'm sorry to say that, you know. And you and I and many people in our field, and especially in the marketing and communication field, would know that communication is is critical to the stakeholders wanting to know what's happening. And for us, we have lost we have lost a lot of sponsors. It's because of lack of communication and you know uh, the bad news that's coming out. Uh, for the last two years has been consistent and therefore you know our potential sponsors have pulled out or have, uh, cannot come in and uh, really from the a key player the captain has, has also not uh, joined the team 
she's citing family issues, but from from information is that uh, she's, she's she's unhappy about all these things. So we have a big issue, and if the media newspapers run it out this morning, then it will blow out. And the players that that are involved, I mean, there are some key names that appear to be missing from from the squad, certainly from not necessarily the Pacific Games squad, but from previous squads. Uh, It's beginning to look like a number of players have just had enough. Uh, No, I think the players are fine. Many of them missing have, have, you know, their young girls have come up and uh, got married and they've, they've got the family side and many have already uh, sort of just gone over their time to play and have left. Uh, uh, the players are fine. I think we got we got very good players and, and at it, I think they will do well at the, at, at the coming uh, games in Samoa. Uh, you know, people say there's too much on Hikari. No, I th- if you have the best players from Hikari, of course, let's have the best players from Hikari. So Hikari is dominating the team and uh, they have good players. They're a good team. So that's fine. I mean, with the players, that's fine. I think it's really at the management level and uh, what's happening right now and what has been happening in the past. All right. Well, I'm sure you will keep digging and I'm sure we will keep digging and I'm sure the rest of the major in PNG will keep digging and maybe we might get some answers. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. Josie, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Pacific Beat this morning. We appreciate your time. No worries. You know, uh, there, there's some people that say, you know, let's keep things quiet. But there's others of us and including many other persons of football here that uh, we need to speak out and, and, and fix this whole thing. So, yeah, thank you very much. Okay, Joseph, thanks again. Have a good day, Joseph. Eladonna there, former president of the Port Moresby FA, also uh, Chapel's uh, team manager for uh, quite a while. So he's been on the inside. He knows about the workings of the PNG FA and these days uh, writes about it on the social media blog at Soccer News and will no doubt be doing the same today as more emerges, we hope, about why Frederica Sequeda has been removed as a coach of the women's national team so soon after winning yet another gold medal because she won a gold medal with them back in up here as well don't forget she's won back-to-back gold medals with that team so it doesn't seem very just to remove her for no apparent reason disasters are inevitable but losing your life or home isn't learn what to do before during and after disaster in a program aimed at helping you keep safe Pacific Prepared is all things disaster preparedness for the Pacific, with a team of reporters on the ground having conversations and bringing you the stories that could help you, your family and community prepare for natural disasters. Pacific Prepared, Fridays from 9am PNG time on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Richard Hewitt. Don't forget the afternoon edition will be long at 5 past 5 PNG time. And we're back on Monday morning with uh, Aggie Tupo at the helm at 5 past 6 PNG time. Hope you can join her then. Pacific Review at various times over the weekend. As I say, I'm Richard Hewitt. Thanks for your company. Have a great sporting weekend.